Welcome to How Did I Get Here? I am your host, Joseph Anthony Batesel. This podcast focuses on interviews from people who come from all walks of life, ages, and professions that share their stories on how they got from point A to Z as they chase their dreams, successes, and failures, and answer the elusive question in life that so many of us ask ourselves, how did I get here? Welcome to How Did I Get Here 2021. My guest today, Brandon Johnson, husband, father, singer, songwriter, performer, and frontman for rock bands, Late Night Savior, better known as LNS, and Parish Lane. Welcome, Brandon. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Well, Brandon, let's, I always do this to start my podcast. Let's talk about how we met. You reminded me that we met when you were in junior high and you had my drama class. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Eighth grade, I believe it was. Wow. Eighth grade. And now you're grown up. You're a husband. You're a father. You're a lead singer. And for people that don't know much about rock bands, what is a front man? What does that mean? And what do you do? So I'm, I'm exactly what it sounds like. I'm right up front interacting with the crowd. My job is to, you know, like I say, interact with them, get them hyped for the show, sing the songs, play the guitar. That's, that's me. I'm that guy right in the center of the stage. Well, give us an example of a real famous band who would be a front man. Is Mick Jagger a front man, for example, for the Rolling? Yeah, Mick Jagger, huge front man. There's there's so many that I, I listen to. Man, James Hetfield is is one of them that I've looked up to for a long time from Metallica. Right. And, and we should know, if people like rock bands, Metallica, really famous, right? Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about this. So you grew up in Brigham City, Utah, and you said you were the youngest of three kids, and you said your mom always loved music. And then you told me yeah. in your bio that you started playing a variety of instruments, the piano, the accordion, harmonica, and eventually a guitar. So when you said you played them, also the trumpet, did you mean that you had lessons that you took and then you decided to play all those instruments or just play with those when you were a kid or what? Explain that just a little bit. Well, we grew up, uh, we always had a piano in the house. And so that was probably the first one that, you know, we all sit down at the piano and bang on the keys and try to make as much noise as possible. But just listening to my mom play it, uh, she was so good. And I just wanted to learn those songs that she was doing. So I started kind of following what she was playing just by ear. I couldn't read music, of course. And, you know, eventually you find yourself drifting into the harmonica was an easy one to pick up. And I'd try to match those same piano tones with the harmonica. And then I picked up an accordion. I mean, I just kind of went through all of these different instruments until I made it into sixth grade. They offered music classes through the school. And that's when I picked up the trumpet and started going on that journey through all of my school career. I played the trumpet, learned 
you know, a little bit about music theory and how to read notes. Yeah. So through all of that, it, I mean, I've always loved music, always been interested in it. And then it, I just gravitate to any instrument I can find. I just want to learn how to play it. You mentioned that a good friend and you started writing simple songs when you were pretty young. How old were you when you started writing oh, yeah. those simple songs? I mean, right around 10 or 11. It was real early. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, I, I picked up the accordion was that first one that I would play while he played the guitar. And so we would sit there at lunchtime and and play these simple, I mean, they were so dumb, these songs. But Okay, yeah, you know, okay. we're going to put them. you on the spot, Brandon. <laughs> give, us, give us just okay. a couple of lyrics of your very first song that your friend and you wrote. This is interesting. Uh, okay, the, now this is a little embarrassing, but... That's no, all right. <laughs> so the the first song that we would write that people really enjoyed uh, the first one with lyrics uh, there was there was only a couple of words silver bananas and evil pencil lead i mean that is awesome. <laughs> we, we sure thought so that is so cool I, I think we made a whole 35 cents from everybody's lunch money how awesome and you know what's interesting when i interview people on these podcasts is how they start out so young with kind of these ideas, these dreams or aspirations, and then they start living them later on in their lives. That's what I find so interesting about these podcasts. How do, how do I get here? Basically, people get there. And I find that the yeah. most fascinating part of people's lives. All right, so Absolutely. let's move on. So we went into the band thing. We said in 2011, how old were you in 2011? Because you were I was, born, what, in 1990? Is that right? Yeah, 1990. So I was 21 years old when I first decided that I needed to play music. And, I, and I'd been in a couple of bands in high school, but I kind of gave up on all of that and tried to be the, the working hard kind of guy. But it just, I don't know, it wasn't for me. Full-time job with no music wasn't working for me. So I, I decided to go up on the classifieds and look for any band that's hiring just for anything a guitar player a drummer bass player singer whatever it was i was in need yeah well after high school we kind of reconnected again and you did a lot of video work for me so how how did you yeah. get into that how did you get into the video work well i before i was trying to be a musician i always appreciated acting. I've always just wanted to be up on stage, you know, stemming from your drama class in eighth grade, all the way through into adulthood. I was acting in the local theaters and, and doing all of that. And when we reconnected you and I afterward, uh, was the first time that I really got into video. I know you were looking for an extra set of hands, you know, and we chatted a little bit about, uh, the acting and all of that. So, so that's that's really where it started but but that really sparked me to want to film, you know, short films and music videos whatever I could just to put out there, you know, and we dipped and dabbled during high school days with a digital camera and made a couple of little short films for the friends but um it was never as much of a passion as I got growing out older. Brandon, what what do you say to people that are a little bit afraid to dive into things because you're a, you're self-taught, right? 
you've you've told me that's right you have a fantastic singing voice but you told me that you are self-taught so what do you tell people out there that yeah. are listening about their dreams or aspirations afraid to dive into things what do you tell people out there i mean don't be afraid that's basically it because i i was scared to just really immerse myself in all of this it's not really the prescription that we're told we're supposed to live by so but just dive in what's what's the point of living if you're not doing the things that you are truly passionate about i love that because the idea of having passion for what you really want to do is the probably the most important thing in your life you have to love what you do right hopefully absolutely. we make money pay the absolutely bills, but we have to love what we do oh yeah <laughs> all right so we're talking about the idea of this band that you were trying to get started. And then you said that you looked in the classifieds for what you were looking for people to join the band. And, and, and tell us how that came to fruition. Well, I just jumped on KSL classifieds and they have a bands seeking members section. So I just scrolled through, uh, like so many other musicians have just looking for anybody saying, Hey, do you want to get together? And I found a band out of salt Lake and I don't remember what we called ourselves, but it was ridiculous. And, and they invited me out to come and play guitar for them. And that was really it. That's where it started. I just showed up to their jam space and, and we played some cover tunes and it was so much fun. And it, it kind of lit that fire in me that I'd been looking for for so many years. And how old were you at that time now? That was when I was 21. That's when you were 21. Just old enough to start playing in the clubs and things around. Salt right, Lake. right. Because of your age. All right. So let's move on. Mm -hmm. So that didn't last very long, right? From what I oh, understand, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. it said one show. Is that right? We played one show. What yeah. happened after that? Well, that original group, that original group that I joined, we did a, a couple little cover band shows, and we just decided we were terrible. And so the drummer and I broke off and formed uh, the original version of Late Night Savior. Mm. And it was just him and myself and we found a another local musician to play bass and that's the one we played one show as late night savior and it was terrible and so we just decided you know what maybe we're not as good at this as we thought and you know hung it up did you have feedback from the fans that made you think that or did you just internally went you know what we're not very good did, were the fans going? Uh, that was dude, basically throwing it. bananas, throwing eggs. <laughs> what was the feedback like on that first show? The feedback from the fans was, uh, you know, pretty good actually. Um, we were on a really odd show for our style. We were kind of a a poppy sound, and we were put on a a metalcore show, which they were it was a totally different crowd than what they didn't want to hear us, you know? So we didn't get that response that we were looking for. They, yeah, you guys are great, but I don't think you uh, belong here on this show. And we, we kind of were thinking maybe we should go back to the drawing board on this and eventually just moved on from it. And 
just called it. And that was almost it. That was, that was my late night savior career was that one night. But you know what? The persistence is, is the key that I've noticed with the people that I interview, people that were authors that said, I got turned down 11 times, and then they became one of the most prolific authors in the country. Mm-hmm. So persistence, perseverance is important. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to keep at it. Take all those negative criticisms and you know, you you've got to take some of them to heart. You have to learn from things. And not everybody is is lying to you about the things that they see. Um, so but take it with a grain of salt. And as long as you keep with it, man, you can be unstoppable. I love it. So Brandon, what is the first song that you actually wrote that you felt really good about? So it's a song called One Last Time. I wrote it back in high school, and it's it's one of those songs we still play to this day in our acoustic set. And I, I don't know it it the way that I wrote it and the feelings around when I wrote it they meant so much to me that I mean I've just carried it on through all of these years and and I I still enjoy it. And just give us like the first verse of the lyrics. Can you share that? Is it? universal enough that's not going to offend anybody <laughs> uh, i i i kept all of the notes you wrote for me was the big line right that i that i opened it up for and and it's a true story honestly and i still have all of those notes that she wow. wrote she later became my wife audrey so we would pass notes back and forth and i would take every single one of those notes and put it in a little peanut can next to the bed. And because we would draw on these notes, we would write poems back and forth to each other. And, and it kind of told the story of us in a way. And I didn't think about it at the time. I was just, oh, she wrote me this thing. I put it in that can, keep putting it in that can. And then, uh, yeah, I still have that whole can of every note we ever wrote back and forth is still sitting there. Oh, what a great romantic story. I didn't know you were such a romantic guy. <laughs> but uh, you'd Audrey, never guess it, right? Exactly. Audrey is someone that obviously I know very well because she, yeah. when I had my film company and also my nonprofit organization, Audrey worked with me as well as you. And she is an amazing person. Wow. You Absolutely. She's, she's my favorite person. <laughs> I hope so, man. Alice is my favorite person, which is my wife. Right? There you go. Right, buddy. <laughs> All right. So let's go on. So in the summer of 2016, we're moving ahead. You were asked to fill in as the vocalist of this group called Parish Lane. Tell us a little bit about how you're balancing Late Night Savior and Parish Lane, because you're still in both groups right now. I am. I am. So, you know, Parish Lane kind of has, it's always been on the table that LNS is my, my main gig. That's my focus. That's where I'm going to put my attention. And so anything that I do with Parish Lane is always in the back seat to LNS. But that being said, we tried really hard with Parish. We've done a couple of national tours. We've done some some singles recorded, but it's always 
been the understanding, like I say, that it's it's kind of backseat to LNS. So you just got to pick your times to do either one. And now I'm I'm revving up LNS to such a point that we're releasing all of this brand new material on on the label and and Parish Lane's still in the back, but we're trying to hit the studio. We're going to start revving up that side now and split it kind of evenly. So give me, we call them aha moments. Give me the aha moment for LNS when you kind of thought this is going to go, this is going to make it. And what was an aha moment for Parish Lane? For LNS, I would say our very first show was kind of our aha moment that, hey, we might have something special here. We did a Halloween show just at a small bar in Tremont. And we set it up and everybody, we had people dancing. We had people singing the songs back to us, any covers that we did. And that was my moment where it was that euphoric feeling, you know, that you get on stage. This is what I want to do. And I think we can do it. People responding that well to a very first show was, man, it was so special. (laughs) And, And did that go along with that, the title of my podcast, How Did I Get Here?, is that when you kind of looked inside yourself and said, this is my, my, what, my middle school dream. I'm living it right now. Is that kind of where that happened as well? And you had to kind of pinch yourself after? That was, that was it. Yeah. I, I mean, and we've had so many huge moments as a group and, and for myself personally since then, but that was really the moment that, You know, I had some friends there at the show. I had my mom there at the show. I had Audrey there at the show. And everybody's grown up knowing some of these songs that that I've written and and just singing them back. And it just it meant so much to see everybody enjoying themselves and and being so encouraging of what was happening. That really was my moment that, man, I could I could really do this. You you know what? It's really interesting because you brought up. I think at a very important point to people here, you were writing songs on a piece of paper. It's like authors, right? They scratch down notes Mm -hmm. about books and novels they are going to write in short stories. And then all of a sudden they actually produce the book and they sell the book and people go, gosh, I loved your book or I loved your short story. These are songs that you thought about in your head on a piece of paper, now you're singing them to people and the people are reacting to what you wrote on a piece of paper. That is unbelievable. Absolutely. Isn't that an unbelievable feeling? You know, it is. The the best feeling in the world for me is to take something so personal. You know, not all of these songs are from happy times in my life, but to sing those out there and to have people respond and tell me their personal stories that go along with it. You know, everybody has their different way of connecting to music. It's, it's just so important, but to hear those words being sung back to you is it's like nothing else. Nothing else. Hey man, let's move on. So now LNS is it's the end of 2017. We've moved forward and all of a sudden you guys are gaining recognition and hitting in on the international scene with listeners in over 90 countries worldwide. So tell me why the universal popularity that that LNS has, because a lot of American bands don't get that international popularity like you did. 
what is unique about your group where international people are listening from all over the country, or the world, not the country, but the world, the country and the world. What is it? What's your formula? So the, <laughs> the, the best thing about music today is that it's so easy to put your music out into the entire world. You know, with the internet, we put our music out there on YouTube and Spotify and Amazon, all of those. And it's, it can just spread like wildfire with the right people around you. So the local scene starts sharing it and then their friends share it. It, it just explodes like a web. And so that's, that's more how it happened. And then we've got family and friends in different countries and, and they've kind of spread the word and people just, I, I, the message is so universal anybody in any walk of life can find something to connect to. And that was so important. We've, we've heard from people that have reached out to us from all sorts of different countries, telling us their personal stories and how they relate to the music. It's just incredible to see the way that it's affected so many. Wow. I, I know that that's kind of an exciting thing for you to experience for acting. For example, the first time I was in a play, and we came out to bow, and you'll be able to relate to this because you were in theater. And people started clapping, and then people started standing up and gave standing ovation. Mm -hmm. That same kind of feeling. So I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. So there's there's nothing else like that. You can't explain it. Almost you have to you have to experience no. it. Am I right? All right. Absolutely. That's that's my drug of choice, if you will. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Do, in 2018, you, your group, LNS, was voted one of the best new rock bands in the nation and chosen as one of five performing acts for the Cumulus Media Next to Rock event in Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about that. How did they host the competition? Who were the judges? What was the criteria? So what they did is, is they take a song, a submitted song from, I mean, bands all over the nation. Like you say, they put them on the radio and they had people vote. And we just, we happened to get enough votes that it put us in the running of, of the top five. And they, they reached out to us and said, Hey, you can come and perform and, and earn your chance to have a record contract, you know, kind of a battle of the bands thing that we've heard so many times, but this was on such a big scale. From there, they flew us to LA, put us up in a five-star hotel, free food, free drinks, free anything that we wanted, limousines to take us where we wanted, and then the show at the Roxy Theater. Anybody that knows about the Sunset Strip and, and that knows there's the whiskey, the Viper Room, the Roxy—they're all just amazing, iconic venues. So that was cool enough. And then getting out there to perform for it's some people that we've looked up to for a long time. You know, there's Jonathan Davis, Chris Jericho, Desmond Child. It just—it's it, just absolutely incredible the names that were on this panel. Watching us perform, these people that we've either watched perform or, or heard their music a million times were now the audience for us. It was just absolutely incredible. 
It's kind of interesting. You mentioned some names there, and it's really funny because Chris Jericho stands out because he's also quite the wrestler, right? A WWE. Oh, yeah. As well as a rocker. I mean, that's how all of us. Yeah, that's how so many of us got to know him was watching him wrestle and <laughs> so to hear his music and are you kidding me that guy's got that voice all right he's great isn't and he? he's one of the nicest people i've ever met absolutely great all right so that kind of puts you out there and probably another aha moment right when you were going i can't believe they're treating me limousines all those type of things because that's what they do to famous people how did that feel that it was surreal, you know, getting off of an airplane and having a limo driver pick us up and take us to the hotel. Like, just like I say, everything paid for this place was so nice and we felt it like we didn't deserve it, but we were going to, we were going to live it up while we were there. You know, you, you brought up another point just now. You said you felt you didn't deserve it. When do you get a point in your life, when you're a creative artist, when you feel that you do deserve it, or do you feel like maybe I'll never get to where I deserve this kind of treatment? What do you think? Because I've talked to famous movie stars before that I've worked with, and some of them have said the same thing in their discovery. Like, you know, I can't believe that I don't have to audition anymore for movies. People just ask me to be in them. When, When do you get to that point where you feel like you do deserve it. You know, honestly, for me, I don't know if that feeling is ever going to come because I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just Brandon. I, I come home and I watch TV like everybody else. I cook dinner, I play with my kid. And then, you know, nobody sees that side of you. I'm just me. And so for anybody from the outside looking in, they see this performer, this, this artist, this guy. And it, for me, it's, it's a totally different story most of the time. You know, you're a totally different character. You know, so I and don't I'm know so that glad that's you shared that because you're one of the nice, and I've known you a long time since eighth grade. You're one of the nicest guys I think I've met in a long time. And I love your <laughs> wife and, and your daughter, Charlotte. Let's give Charlotte a big shout out. And your, I know your aunt very well. And I've met your mom. You're, you're just a great guy, great family support, and you deserve everything that you have received because you have worked so hard, and I've watched that. I've watched that. I've actually worked with you on a music video, and you were there with the director, and you are a hard worker, but you are a nice guy, and if your fans need to try to be <laughs> behind the scenes, this is a nice guy. All right, let's move on. So now we've got a deal coming. And this is big because most 2019, you did some performing, we did some writing, and now all of a sudden we hit COVID, right? And we kind of put a stop on everything. So what's going on right now with this deal you're talking about? Well, we did a show and at every single one of our shows, we would hand out our demo, our CD, our EP, whatever we had on hand. Uh, we would just give it to the bands. Hey, listen to it. If you like it, cool. If not, cool. But it, it, 
the intention was always let's let's do another show together you know it was never anything bigger than that and so when this band the veer union hit us up saying hey we actually have a record label we would really like to work with you guys i mean we just wanted to jump on it we'd been offered several deals in the past but it never felt right i didn't feel like they were invested in us like we were supposed to be invested in them and so these guys they came down from canada and worked with us on a couple tunes then we flew up there recorded an entire album we start releasing it and this this was a build-up over these couple of years all the way to this big release and tour and then covid happened and everything's shut down so where do we go from here we've We've spent all this time, money, energy, everything to make this happen. And now we can't perform. And so it was, it was a big bone in the mix, but you know, we, we won't be beaten that easy, I guess. So we, we start doing the online streams, uh, hustling our, our local scene and really, really putting our energy into promoting online. And the response was incredible. Even even though we couldn't perform, it, you know, people are still sitting at home. They're still listening to music. They're still enjoying it, and the response to some of these songs that we've released has just been over the top for us. Something we didn't expect. You have a single out called "Monster," okay? And you oh, know yeah. me; I'm pretty conservative <laughs> when it comes to certain songs that you have done with your groups. And this one I listened to several times, and it, it's 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 kind of dark, but it's interesting how come you wrote the song, but it's very popular, right? Tell yeah, tell absolutely right. Tell my listeners how many how many people have listened to that song now. Oh man, I got to look that one up. It's it's tens of thousands, tens maybe of hundreds thousands. of thousands. I don't. I, it is. I, it's. I looked it up. It's, it's, it's quite up there on our list. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that was our first song that ever hit the billboard charts. So that was exciting when that came out, you know, how, how popular it became so fast. It was almost surreal. All right. Tell, tell my listeners why you wrote the song, because they're, if they do listen, I'm not endorsing the song. I'm saying, if you listen to the song, you, this is a story behind the song. Go ahead, Brandon. Tell him why you wrote this song. So when I joined Parish Lane, there was a big rift with LNS because there was a feeling that I was I was leaving this behind, this thing we created together for something else. And ended up several of the members were they were leaving basically is what it boils down to. They right. had enough. They, they thought we you had abandoned. Out. We fought. Right? They, they exactly. So they're, you know, I'm jumping ship if you're jumping ship. And that's not what it was about, but I was very hurt. Uh, again, we built this thing together and we spent so much time and energy and the songs mean so much and they're willing just to walk. I was so angry. I wrote this song about my, my disappointment with that, my anger towards that, this, this monster that was in their eyes. And it wasn't, it wasn't real, but that feeling that it gave me, I, it almost pushed me to be a better artist. I wanted to 
shove this song in their face. Mm. So I wrote it as a Parish Lane song. I took the song later down the road and said, you know, obviously we mended everything. Everybody's better and everybody's back. What better way to heal that moment than to all play this song together, to record this song as one. I, and it brought it so full circle to, to really heal that moment. I, I love that idea because I was in a rock band in, in college, junior college. And I, mm. I think rock bands and bands in general have love-hate relationships because they become like a family. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a family. Like we sit down to Sunday dinner together, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And as you get older, you become more mature and you understand things better, right? When you're young, you're kind of selfish and and they were being a little selfish and, and they, you didn't, they didn't understand your point of view and you didn't understand their point of view. So you wrote a song. And I think that's a way sometimes to be cathartic to get out feelings instead of going beating up the band, you wrote a song, right? You wrote a song. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's been my release since I was a kid was writing songs. Exactly. So <laughs> what better way? I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Now, Brandon, just a few other questions now. So we talked about your beautiful wife and, and your daughter. How does that, how does that play into your success? with both late night savior and, and also parish lane. How, do, how does your wife and daughter play into this? Well, they are my biggest fan base is right here in this house. I get so much encouragement from, from Audrey just to keep going. And, and she was the first one that really told me that I should do this. And she's been there, you know, from the beginning, She's the first person I ever sang in front of that I had the guts to do that. And, and she told me, you know what, you've got a good voice. You should, you should really sing. And I didn't believe her for the longest time until, you know, I I started getting a little bit more encouraged and okay, okay. I'll sing in front of my mom. I'll sing in front of this friend. And, and it just kind of carried on until I had that, that confidence that you really need to be a good singer and, and, you know, growing and, and having our life together and then having little Charlotte, man, that's that, that kid's my biggest fan in the world. And I'm her biggest fan as well. Uh, She'll sit there, she'll sing every word to every song and we'll sit down and play music together. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling to to play music and to do this passion and to have my kid be just as passionate with it. It's the most amazing thing I see in the world. She'll come to me and and she's got songs that she's written. It's just incredible. <laughs> I love it are, so. Much. Are, are you gonna Are you gonna encourage Charlotte to go ahead and and pursue music if she wants to do that at this level? If she wants to do it, that I mean. Honestly, the way that I look at it, I don't care if I'm successful. I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care. I just want to do my best to make my dream come true and set an example for her. You know, I, I mean, that's what every parent wants is for their kid to follow their dreams. But so many of the parents give up on theirs before their kid has an example. So 
that's really my motivation to keep going with this, to keep doing this, is to watch her follow her dreams, whatever they are. I, I got to tell you a quick story about Charlotte. Brandon came over, gosh, it was years ago. I can't remember how old Charlotte was, maybe two or three, I think. Yeah, maybe. she was very little. <laughs> right. And he, and he came over to my house and he had told me about Charlotte being really smart when she was very young. And Brandon comes in the house and Charlotte kind of, he has her by the hand and she just kind of breaks away. She starts walking around my house and Brandon goes, Charlotte, what are you doing? She goes, I want to see the house. <laughs> and I thought, is she a realtor? <laughs> but she was just so sweet and so kind and just so smart that I, and I haven't seen her for years, but I know what you're talking about. I was just impressed with her the first time I met her. And the thing I love about you, Brandon, so much, and so many of my guests, is that you're so grounded, but there's always something that grounds us. Mine is my family, yours is your family, but your wife and daughter, and, and I'm sure your mom and, and your brother and all those that surround you, that keeps you grounded. And maybe that keeps you so humble that you keep fighting because like you said, you feel like sometimes you don't deserve it, but that keeps you fighting. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's always room to, to grow and be better. And, and that truly encourages me, like I say, to, to try to set this example for her and to have that encouragement behind you to push forward and to be better all the time. You know, there was, uh, I remember somebody told me one time, practice never makes perfect. It only makes improvement. There's, there's always room to grow and be better. And I just yeah. held on to that. I loved that so much. Yeah. I have a phrase that says when I work with my theater students, it's practice makes permanent. So mm -hmm. I, I think, I think you're right. I think you're I like right. that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your fans, okay? Because you get fans all over the place. How devoted are you to your fans? I am absolutely devoted to the fans. They, like I said before, we've had so many people reach out and tell us their stories, and we've become friends with so many of our fans across the globe that we keep in regular contact with now. I mean, that's really what it's all about is, is this sense of community. Why else would we do it? So, yeah, absolutely devoted to the fans 100%. Well, I noticed on your, on your YouTube that you post with your songs, you actually answer and have replies to people that ask questions, right? Absolutely. You answer, you answer them directly. We try to respond to every message that we see. Well, you have a question about a lyric or where does this come from? I'm going to tell you, you know, it, it takes a lot of time for sure, but they wouldn't be asking the question, you know, if they didn't want an answer. So I, I think that it does them justice. My small token of appreciation. Exactly. And I think by your, your devotion to your fans, they become devoted to you. It's a two-way street. That personal connection is so important. So that you yeah, don't absolutely that you don't become this distant type of person that's kind of going, well, I'm in a rock group and you're so glad to see me and whatever. So I love that you and I've, are I've seen connected. that so many times of bands that you know I, I like. Uh, I go out to the show and a lot of times they just they come out, they do their show and they leave, and that's it. And you know, that's fine for 
for some times, but the ones that always stood out to me are the ones that stick around in the crowd, watch the show and shake every single hand that wants to, and they'll stay all night. And that always meant so much more to me and gave me, like you say, that connection to the band that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise and makes me like them more. I appreciate that. So Brandon, you talked about the idea of writing songs. How hard is it? Because writing a song is like writing poetry. How hard is it to rhyme lyrics? For me, not very hard. For whatever reason, I've I've always been able to just kind of roll things off the tongue and feel it out as long as I have something to say. Now, when I'm trying to write a song and I, I don't really have a message, it never works out. I will write the dumbest stuff you'd ever hear, but rhyming the lyrics and, and that, it just kind of happens if it's done right. And it doesn't always have to rhyme. That's one thing that I've learned in my writing is it doesn't have to rhyme. It just has to make sense. Connect. It, yeah, exactly. Tell the story. It has to tell the story the right way. Right. And there's certain trigger words that you learn along the way that, that hit in, in a different light than others might. So using those is sometimes better than rhyming. And what about the arrangements for the original songs? Do you write those as well, or does the band do that collectively? So the basis for all of the songs so far, um, or I should say most of them, I write by myself, just me on an acoustic guitar. I will record an idea. I'll do this and that and send it to the group. And I'll write a hundred songs and one of those is the one that they want to work on. So we'll sit down and that's, that's when it really comes to life. But the, the stones, the foundation of it, you know, that's, that's usually just me on, on an acoustic guitar in a dark room closed off to the world with my bottle of water. And <laughs> you wow. know, I, I'll, I'll hammer it out as much as possible. That's the creative process for you, isn't it? It absolutely is. I have to be in a certain certain mood, as a lot of people will know, artists. Uh, you right. got to be in that certain mood or it just doesn't happen. Give us an insight. What is a new song that you have in your head that you think you're going to be putting on paper soon? Ooh. So I, I've got several... <laughs> Lately, I've been writing a lot of uh, very calming acoustic guitar songs, mm -hmm. but I've got some some pop punk. That was my passion, is kind of pop punk music or indie right. music more than the hard rock that I play. Um, I've got some ideas for a song kind of about Audrey and I growing up. I don't usually write about her or or Charlotte, but I have recently. and. I've got this idea about a song about carving our names into the slide and, and the time that we spent together because we were kind of pushed out of our homes. Um, our, you know, our parents and friends, they just didn't want us around a lot of the time. And so you find that connection through that and man, it's, it's going to be cool. I'm that's, excited. That's about as far that, as I've gotten. Your fans but. should get excited. That <laughs> is going to be a cool song. I'd be, uh, I can't Absolutely. wait to listen to it. I hope now, so. Yeah. Now you mentioned Audrey again. 
And Audrey does, she's a marketing genius, by the way, and is oh yeah, obviously a guru when it comes to website design. She did that for me. And she takes care of all of that for you guys. Is that right? The website design and all of that is. is um, yeah, she, she built our, she built our website and has helped us with that. A lot of our design outside of that now is controlled by the label, but she did do so much. Our, our main photos design the we've hired out for the logos and that, but yeah, she's, if you look at our website, it looks incredible to me. Well, I got to, I got to share this real quick. You know, my wife, Alice, I think you, you've met her a couple of times. She's pretty conservative. So course, I showed yeah. her your website the other day. <laughs> I, was, I really like the picture of those guys. <laughs> so you got Alice's endorsement, <laughs> man. So that's awesome. Oh, All right. Perfect. <laughs> I know we're going to wind down here. Just a couple more questions. So, how how would you compare yourself vocally to anybody past or present as far as your range, your just your dynamics of singing? Because you are a fabulous singer. And, you know, I've been a professional singer, so I'm talking from the professional standpoint. You you have really improved over the years, but you are becoming top notch. So who would you compare yourself to? I've, I've worked on it very hard, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've been, my style has been compared a lot to uh, uh, the singer from Breaking Benjamin was one of the big ones that came through. Uh, but I, I've tried really hard to kind of stretch my vocal range, just practice, 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 you know, and working with it. What do you so do? do are you doing vocal exercises to... Go ahead and expand the range. Is that what you're doing? Because absolutely breathing exercises and, you know, just practicing the scales and things like that. I'll switch between different genres of music because I can't a lot, like a lot of people. I can't listen to the same genre very much. And one of my favorites is actually opera. And so I'll sit and I'll listen to to operas and and sing my heart out in the car, whatever it takes. But yeah, just learning how to breathe and stretch that voice over the course of a few years and taking online lessons, things like that to try to you know, figure out the different techniques. It's all technique. So, All right. Now, what about critics? Have, have you had any type of, of critical reviews of of the band that said, "Hey, man, this guy is outstanding. He's a good singer. The band is awesome." Where where would we go if we wanted to find great reviews and reviews on on Late Night Savior and Parish Lane? Where we find those? You know, there's been a few magazines that have come out, but I mean, honestly, the best thing to do, I think, is YouTube. That's what I do to find my real critiques is, is the fans themselves. You can read through those YouTube comments, some good, some bad, but it's, it's kind of interesting in that format that um, a lot of the negatives that have come across, we have our fan base that jump on and correct these people um, in their reviews of us, which is, which is pretty incredible to see that. But uh, like you say, we, that's such a great way to interact with, even our negative critics is through YouTube or, or Facebook. You know, you can see those reviews there. So we've got your 
album coming out. Is that right? The absolutely, hopefully theater. this summer, and and twenty twenty one is going to be when it mm-hmm. comes out. So we can look forward to that again. If if you like this kind of music, my listeners and fans of Late Night Savior and Paris Lane, I say to look forward to that. If you don't like that type of music, then that's strictly strictly up to you. No, because I don't. <laughs> I'm not I'm not endorsing groups. I'm interviewing individuals who meet the criteria of how did I get here? And the criteria is simple. It's ordinary people that have done extraordinary things in their life. And Mr. Brandon Johnson, you have achieved that. And so thank you for coming and being on my show. And best of luck to you and your group and your family. Well, thank you so much for having me.